0: But abortion is just one of those things. It's a sad reality that sometimes happens. It's a very private, it's a very personal um, health decision, and you know it's one of the many areas upon which the church must not trespass. You know we must keep to our ever diminishing space, not venture into the public square, and certainly not say anything that could be deemed anything other than politically correct, uncontroversial, and basically nice. And I'm sure we can all think of so-called Christian leaders who would fit that category.
1: To this week's episode of About Abortion, I'm thrilled to be joined today by my two friends, Pete Jackson and Tim Lewis. Pete and Tim, thank you so much uh, for being on the call today. It's good to be with you. Sorry. Now, Pete, you're um, you're up in Sheffield, and Tim in Harrogate, and uh, the three of us are going to be uh, converging um, on Liverpool uh, next week, Friday week, isn't it? Friday the twenty sixth. Um, any, any Liverpool connections? Either of you, you've been to Liverpool.
2: Do you know Liverpool? I've PT? been, I, I went there about 20 years ago for a, a CU mission when I was at a, a UCCF relay worker and, that, and that's other than visiting the airport, uh, sometimes to go to Northern Ireland. That's pretty much the only time I've, I've been.
1: Oh, cool. Um, Funny enough, that's, yeah, that's the last time I spent substantial time in Liverpool actually was on a, on a CU mission. It was, yeah, uh, with yeah. the late Michael Green and oh, right, brilliant. the much younger Michael Otts um wow uh, yes yeah that's a few, enjoyed yeah. that enjoy that how about you Tim any any Liverpool connections
0: as far as I can remember I've only been once actually and that was it that was a church thing and although it was a it was a it was a clergy conference not a CU mission so um yeah I was I was we were based at Hope uh, University and that was where I was staying for for a couple of days um yeah it, it, truth be told I didn't really rate the conference but I enjoyed the city of Liverpool um enjoyed wandering around we had I visited both the the Anglican and the Catholic Cathedral and the waterfront and things so it was a it was a yeah really enjoyed the city
1: it's a beautiful city now um why are we going to Liverpool Tim just just tell us for those who don't know what's going on in Liverpool on May 26th why are we converging it's not purely for touristic reasons that we're joining together
3: in
0: Liverpool No, and as far as I'm aware, there's no big football matches at that point. I think everything will have finished. But, yeah, so Breffos are holding a church leaders uh, breakfast um, at Gateway Church, uh, which is a church in, I think it's the sort of south of Liverpool, 8.30 till uh, 11am. And really a wonderful opportunity to meet other Christians in Liverpool, in the northwest area, who want to find out more about how to advocate for the unborn child and to equip their churches really both to understand the reality uh, of abortion uh, and respond to what i would say is the social justice issue of our age really um so as you'd expect there'll be lots of good breakfast plenty of coffee uh, me and dave and uh, pete are not the only cooks don't worry i think we have some support there as well as lots of opportunities for conversation questions networking and there's going to be uh, some input from pete jackson and myself
1: fantastic it's said to be the biggest event in liverpool since eurovision 2023 so um i'm excited now i probably should have said this earlier but by way of introduction many of those who who listen in on this podcast regularly will know tim already tim uh is working alongside me in Brethos, and uh he's working uh, as well as that uh, he's doing a phd in uh really what the bible has to say about the unborn child and he's been bringing some of those sort of um those gems into these podcasts which has been fantastic Um, Pete, you're uh, a pastor in Sheffield, am I correct?
2: Yeah, that's right. Yep. I'm pastor of Christchurch Walkley, which is in the northwest of Sheffield.
1: Excellent. And is that your kind of first church, as it were, that you've been in sort of pastoral work with? Uh,
2: So I was an associate minister at a church elsewhere in Sheffield first, and then we planted Christchurch Walkley just over 10 years ago. Okay, so you were the planting pastor as well. The the planting pastor, yeah. Okay, fantastic. So this is great. So I'm
1: I'm really thrilled to have both of you guys uh, join us next week. And we we just want to help people listening in to whether they're they're church leaders, because this is for church leaders in particular, this this event next week. Um, But whether those listening in are church leaders themselves or if they know church leaders, uh, we just hope this helps people to get a sense or a taste of what's going on um, and why we think people should be there. Bookings are coming in. We're, we're seeing people already uh, commit to this, which is fantastic, plenty of space for more. And so that's really what we're here to talk about. It's worth saying, just before we kind of move on to the content as it were, um, how we alighted on Liverpool, because T- Tim and I talked and prayed and kind of thought about various locations for this kind of new idea. This is a bit of an experiment for us as Breathos, you know, doing a regional conference. We've done some national conferences. In fact, Pete, you kindly spoke at one of them down in London uh, a few years ago. Um, it's the first time we're doing a regional conference and there are reasons for that. We want to try and reach people where they are, build up a bit of a network amongst uh, church leaders who are like-minded uh, on this issue, uh, kind of in the locality, so they can help each other, encourage each other over time. Um, we want to make it easier for people to come along without having to commit a whole day for something they don't necessarily know about first. But um, how we aligned in Liverpool, we actually thought about one or two other cities and there were good reasons for, for doing those cities, but, just didn't get a sense of, of the Lord's kind of blessing as it were on, on those plans. And then, and then we somehow alighted on Liverpool and, and it, it seemed there was a, a kind of peace about that decision. We committed to it and it was only after I discovered that that region in the UK at the Northwest of England actually has the highest abortion rate in the entire nation. And so I didn't actually know that until after we committed, but it seems that in the Lord's Providence. This event is coming, you could say, to the the, the region of the UK that needs it the most urgently. Now, um, only anecdotally, um, I know that as all over the country, um, churches in the Liverpool area appear to be struggling to engage this issue, and a whole host of reasons as to why that might be, and perhaps we'll explore some of those in a moment. But this is the, the region in the UK which has the highest abortion rate, full stop. So in the UK at large, one in four babies are killed in the womb, and and in Liverpool and the surrounding areas even higher. So so that's why we're going to Liverpool to help church leaders to to equip their own people to engage the greatest moral issue of the day. Now, um, you've both got a, a title you're working with, and you're going to bring to us next week. Just give us a little taster, will you, of well, what's the title? What, what what are you kind of talking around and? Maybe just give us a couple of thoughts about you know what what you're going to be exploring there, uh, what people can expect, and why they should come and listen to this. So, Pete, perhaps we can start with you. What are you going to be talking? You're kicking us off, I think, first speaker of the day. What what are you going to
2: be talking to us about? So, uh, I think my title is something about why I preach on abortion or something like that. Um, and um, I guess what it is is it is answering that that question. We have the practice that I preach on it once a year. Um, I guess it's not the once a year thing that's so much in question, but that why I would preach, why would I give pulpit time? Why would I give time on a Sunday at the sort of <clears throat> the main gathering of our church for worship each week? Why would I give time to the issue of abortion there? Um, and I guess part of what I'm trying to get at there is to show that, you um, all the things that I as a, a an evangelical pastor all the concerns I would have that I would normally bring into the pulpit actually um have uh, led me to a, a position of 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 realizing this is something that I needed to preach into and something that I needed to give pulpit time to so the the kinds of concerns that kinds of evangelistic pastoral biblical uh, you know, wanting to see the church shaped by the Word of God, those kind of concerns that I would normally bring into the pulpit. Um, those those things uh, have uh, a contribution to make, particularly around abortion, and have led me to a conviction of seeing this as something that that needs that needs preaching preaching into in that particular way.
1: Right, that's helpful. And j- just to push you a bit more on that, so to mm-hmm. those who would see engaging an issue like this as a sort of sidestep away from pastoring yeah. after- or to look at it from another angle, perhaps a distraction uh, for the church in terms of what the church is meant to be about. Your response to that would be?
2: Yeah, so I I would say just over time, I became convinced uh, on on to the contrary, really, that actually uh, a concern for mission, a concern for people's pastoral care, concern for preaching the gospel to our age and to our communities. Uh, actually means we're going to have to go there on the issue mm-hmm. of abortion at some point and in, and in some way um and that actually but i think it's more than that it's not just that we have to i think it's that there's a great opportunity there because i think the gospel has unique resources to speak into this issue and um that therefore i guess part of our responsibility as gospel preachers as pastors and leaders is to is to seek to do that so if we want to faithfully contextualize the gospel then well one one of the contexts that we have to speak that into is uh what is happening and what has been happening for over fifty years mm. in our country on the issue of abortion and 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 likewise pastorally it is there in people's lives in our congregations whether we realize it or not and um, in all sorts of ways people that they know people themselves in our congregation will have been deeply and are being deeply affected by this um and so again um we 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 really wanna we really want to preach the gospel and the word of God into that, if we want to faithfully serve the people that are that are sat there um, as part of our church families each each week.
1: Yeah, thank you, Peter. And I think, without wanting to make too fine a point on it, again in the Liverpool area, this the highest abortion rate area in the whole of the UK. If we want to be culturally relevant evangelists, you know, how can we not engage this issue? I mean, is, if the gospel is big enough for this issue? Yeah. Why aren't we going there? You know, and I think, um, I remember you saying when you came to our conference a, a few years back, something about how culturally relevant evangelism is more than just kind of, you know, connecting your sermon to the latest pop song, um, which, which, which can also be a good way of being culturally relevant, you know, and sure. yes. certainly in the, in the Liverpool region, I imagine, I don't know, but I, I, I would be happy to, uh, to, to assume that, all sorts of evangelistic events rose up around Eurovision. And that's a great thing. You know, got the world converging on the city for, for one reason. And there's an opportunity there to, to, to bring the gospel to bear where the, where, you know, all things to all men, absolutely. Um, but also we should be engaging the issue of abortion as evangelists, if nothing else, um, that's helpful. You know, I think, uh, pastors obviously, um, the word busy is overused isn't it but undoubtedly the demands placed on a pastor are significant you're essentially looking after a large family um with all their needs and 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 all the opportunities and so on um and i'm sure in your life it's no different pete in fact you've had quite a busy last
2: few weeks am i right in
1: thinking you've been uh, been to gathcon is that
2: right yeah yeah i was in um i was in kigali at yeah. the Global Anglican Futures Conference um, yeah. e- earlier on in, in April. Um, okay. So yeah, okay. good time. Uh, a great time. A- an astonishing experience of the of a, a slice, only a slice, but a, a very real slice of the global church. Uh, just as a as a as a Brit, uh, it's very humbling in lots of ways, but mm. also very exciting um, to see where uh, yeah the work of the gospel around the world and how uh, in, you know, in lots of ways where the odd ones out here in the West with the way that things are for us. Mm. Um, mm. and it's just, just so encouraging to be reminded of that really. Um, mm. yeah, that is a, yeah, easy to be stuck in our own set of problems, isn't it? Um,
1: yeah, yeah. that's really good. So, you know, so uh, as with many pastors be, you know, you've got all sorts of different, uh, demands on your time, but you've clearly made a priority of this, um, of this issue as a pastor, and uh, and I do hope and pray that um, we're going to see, not just in the Liverpool area, but across the nation, many of your pastors um, following that example and, and seeing this as a, as a priority um, because of um, the pastoral responsibility given by God. Thank you, uh, Pete. On to you, Tim, for for, for a bit, if, if I may. Um, yeah, give us, yeah, what's your um, title? What are you talking about? I think you've got quite a good title, actually, haven't you?
0: Well, well, it's 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 a big title, it's a grand title, Dave, and you are partly responsible for it as well. But um so so my so my title is Seed, Serpents and the Saviour. Then the second part is God Works, God's Work and Satan's Assault on Human Life in the Womb. So I mean Pete's title is just lame
1: in comparison, isn't it? I mean, there's not even a colon in his title and no (laughs) serpents.
0: I think I think mine's just more pretentious. I think that's but I think if you if you want to see what on earth I'm going to do with that um, title and, and, and whether actually the talk is going to measure up to to that rather grand, <laughs> um, rather grand title, and whether it's 30 minutes. In fact, I can do anything like trace that theme throughout the entirety of Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, then then, you know, come along to Liverpool on the 26th and, and yeah, come with come with your questions and your uh, difficult things uh to, to ask us afterwards really but yeah so so in a nutshell dave um i mean I'll, i guess many of us have heard stories about the bible's big story you know the kind of overarching narrative of scripture and how the promised seed who is who is promised right at the start um kind of is, is shown to be jesus the one who redeems the world and also uh, crushes crushes uh satan uh for us and and, and so that, I guess, is more familiar. But what I'm wanting to really do is, is kind of trace, without giving too much away, is tr- trace alongside that um, how, you know, the devil doesn't go quietly in, in that, really, and how the devil is constantly fighting back against, against God's work. And one of the places we see that in a very real, profound way is um, in the battleground of the womb, if you like, uh, where, where unborn children are, are threatened by, by the enemy, meaning Satan in in this way so so that's in a nutshell what I'm what I'm hoping to do as I say ra- perhaps rather grand and ambitious a theme but but come along and see if you think I can pull that off uh, on the 26th
1: well I'm certainly looking forward to it and um, I haven't heard this one before so I I genuinely am intrigued to see where you go with it I think what's interesting about that is whereas perhaps Pete you're speaking into um well, I think both of these are speaking into a kind of blind spot as it were. So I think the Pete speaking into where people don't see this as the business of the past or the business of regular Sunday church life, they just maybe see this as kind of, this is a, a, a side issue, maybe a moral issue, a political issue, maybe something that Christians should have some involvement with, but really it's not close to core business, you know? And I think in a similar way, Tim, where people don't see this as a spiritual issue, when they don't see the spiritual significance, they don't understand that actually God has a deep vested interest in this issue, if I can put it that way, as does Satan. You know there is warfare going on here. I think you're bringing that perspective that I think I think we really, really do do need. So, I wonder if you just talk about that a little bit more. Um, to what extent, Tim, do you think everyday Christians in the UK perceive abortion as? As a spiritually significant issue, do you think they perceive um, the spiritual warfare that's going on here?
0: Well, well, in a word, no, Dave. I mean, and I think that you have to almost start a step further back and ask the question: to what extent the Christians see this as a as a problem, as an issue, full stop, spiritual or otherwise. Um, but I think when 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 Christians begin to wake up to the reality of this, th- th- then yes, I think there is an undoubted spiritual dimension. I mean. And and for many who are involved in the pro-life movement and who want to be kind of activists and do things, you know, um, and have maybe written letters to MPs and have maybe been out on the streets, you know, it can sometimes be tempting to look at the situation and look at abortion and think, well, it's this CEO or it's that politician or it's this activist or it's this newspaper that's the problem. Now, of course, the abortion industry um, is always wanting to use people in particular as particular mps i think to push their objectives of kind of expanding abortion ever further removing what very few restrictions still exist so fundamentally they can kill even more unborn children and as i say that's not to say that such people aren't winning actors in in their operation but of course as christians we know that spiritual battles are never waged against flesh and blood other people are not the real enemy i think it's really important to stress that um spiritual battles as ephesians 6 tells are waged against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly place and behind of course all such spiritual opposition is satan himself the great enemy of humankind the, jesus calls the father of lies who has been murdering people from the beginning you know so murdering people made in god's image and likeness from the beginning and i think I think when you when you do begin to understand the scale of the slaughter going on in terms of, of, of abortion, and I think it's right to call it an industry in that sense, the, the, the scale and the figures that we're talking about, just in just in our country of sixty million people, you know, one in four. You already mentioned, day, this is well over 220, 225,000 uh, children a year. The scale of that, and each one of a unique precious image-bearing human being you realize that there must be a bigger power at work you know this is not just something one politician can dream up and keep going on their own this is an enemy that's implacably opposed to God and all who bear his image and you know are people awake to that well no I think by and large that reality is obscured for us partly because I think on this issue as as others you know and I and I'm not I'm very much part of the church I'm to this extent part of the problem i think like the disciples in the garden of gethsemane there can be a tendency you know all hell is breaking loose jesus needs us to step up uh and 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 labor with him to pray with him to work alongside him and where are the where is the church where are the disciples are they spiritually asleep but i think undoubtedly one of the reasons why that is the case is that the other side the culture of death has done such a good pr job such a good propaganda job convincing society including christians who want to be you know good respectful law-abiding citizens that abortion is just one of those things it's a sad reality that sometimes happens it's a very well, it's a very personal um, health decision and you know it's one of the many areas upon which the church must not trespass you know we must keep to our ever-diminishing space not venture into the public square and certainly not say anything that could be deemed anything other than politically correct, uncontroversial, and basically nice. And I'm sure we can all think of so-called Christian leaders who would fit that category. So, yeah, I think by and large, we don't see it in spiritual terms. I think by and large, most Christians don't see it as an issue at all. But I think when you when you wake up to the reality of abortion, I think it's almost immediate that this is way bigger than public policy yeah. or healthcare. this is this is spiritual warfare this is good against evil light yeah. against darkness 100 percent.
3: yeah interesting
1: anecdote on that was there's, there's a guy in our team here in norwich our public education team so most of our listeners will will be aware of um this we have a public education team we go out onto the streets of norwich we display the reality of life in the womb in all its majesty visually uh, we show the reality of abortion again visually uh, we don't protest abortion. We don't need to. We show abortion for what it is, and it protests itself. And there's a chap who's on our team. And prior to joining our team, his belief, his his understanding was that you didn't really get demonic activity in this country. He's a Christian, but he kind of he kind of thought, well, you know, when when the gospel's advancing in somewhere like India into an unknown village, yeah, you know, unreached village or Papua New Guinea or whatever, yeah, you get demonic manifestations and whatever else, and his belief up until he joined our team was, um, you know, you don't kind of get that stuff in the UK Yeah, until he displayed the reality of abortion on the streets of Norwich. And then, you know, almost literally, all hell broke loose, you know, and it, I mean, we might not think this is spiritually significant, but the, the witches and Satanists and all the rest of it certainly do because they just appear out of nowhere, um, within minutes and, uh, and they're attacking our signs or whatever else. So, it's it's not lost on the other side, if I can put it that way, the spiritual significance of this. Indeed, you even got the Satanic Temple in uh, in America campaigning for, for abortion as a religious right. Uh, you know where it's been made illegal uh, after the overturning of Roe v Wade in some states. So, it, as with a number of things, it seems that the other side are more awake in a sense than than we are. Um, clearly. Uh, it's a spiritual issue and I think even within scripture I don't know if you're going to touch on this Tim in your, in your talk but forgive me if you are but even within the pages of scripture we're not always told explicitly and it was Satan doing this behind the scenes you know sometimes we get a portrayal of a situation be it with Esther and you know the, the genocide of, of the Jews that was planned there or or with Moses and and what Pharaoh was doing in killing the infants it doesn't say you know Satan entered into the heart of Pharaoh and he did this uh, elsewhere we do get that don't we we do see the, the the veil pulled the sort of curtain pulled back and we see what's going on behind the scenes and yet putting all things together it seems pretty clear that satan doesn't take days off and he's described as the prince of the air and the whole world is under the control of the evil one uh, if we think he's not actively involved in industrial scale child sacrifice
2: i think we're we're really being being hoodwinked which is exactly uh, what he wants it's also his, his, his. Uh, you know, he's the father of lies, isn't he? And so, so, just the deception that there is around abortion, deception mm. about the uh, about the reality of life in the womb, about the identity value of 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 the child in the womb, the lies that that the whole thing is shrouded in, the darkness mm. that it's covered in, in order to allow it to carry on on the scale and with the devastating consequences that it has. You just think that, of course, of course, it's a spiritual thing. And actually, one of the lies that is prevalent at the moment is, um, it, it, you know, it, it, part of the, the the deception around abortion is that it, it is it is justified on terms that actually sound very Christian and are borrowed from Christianity because it, mm. it's on the basis of compassion, kindness, love, freedom. These are all things that actually the gospel has uh, the the realities of which the gospel bequeaths to us, and the gospel in reality promotes um and in a sense that's it's a testimony to how much we've been influenced by the gospel in the past that now something like abortion has to be shrouded in in apparent christian language and apparent christian values in order to be um to be promoted but it but it is a it is a deception and i think that's that's partly why it's powerful and that's partly why as christians we we've been we've been slow to to this issue because you know we we're on the side of compassion love kindness caring for people you know aren't we if well of course we are um so yeah uh, yeah of, of, of course of course it's a spiritual of course it's a spiritual issue and all the more reason
1: i think Pete, for pastors to be engaging this from the pulpits because people are not getting truth out there on this issue that yeah. they're yeah. getting worse it's, it's, than nothing
2: it need it need the the whole issue needs dragging into the light as much as possible. And of course, there's no light that's more that's better than the light of the gospel. And um yeah, uh yeah, that's um but I remember at, at the Brefos conference being uh given a very powerful illustration of that with uh the testimony of a woman who'd been through an abortion talking about um that the the silence of her church on the issue was was basically a, a playground for all sorts of lies that were whispered in her ear, um, you know, as to the unfor, you know this is an unforgivable sin, this is so terrible they won't even talk about it, you know. But but we know that in that silence and in that space in that vacuum that all sorts of lies are allowed to go on, and and so yeah, I I I found that sort of I find that sort of testimony is pretty convincing as well as to why why we have to we have to try and find ways of um of bringing it into the light of shining the light of the gospel on it of um talking about things that people uh people are not used to talking about um yeah
1: Mm. actually brings me on to another question i wanted to ask which is um why 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 have we got men Speaking into this, you mentioned a, a lady you shared at the loss conference, and people can go find that talk. It's 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 a yeah, it was a real really moving testimony actually. Uh, but one of the great joys of doing this work is even before you do an event, you start getting complaints. And uh, one of the complaint I've complaints I've, I've got about this one is uh, why have you got men speaking into this issue? So let's talk about that, Tim. Why why have we got men, or why do we need men speaking into this issue? I mean, we all agree, of course, we need women as well, and we often do.
0: Why why men? Um just going back to to um to, to Pete's comment there for a second. I you know, one of one of for me, one of the most misunderstood and abused parts of the gospels is Jesus' interaction with the woman the woman caught in adultery. And it's often presented as a kind of carte blanche for just you know non-judgmentalism and and sort of compassion. And and absolutely it's about not casting the first stone, isn't it? It's about recognizing our solidarity with that woman in our own sinfulness. But, you know, I think what's often conveniently missed is the fact that, that, that Jesus tells the woman to go, go sin no more. You know, he, he wants no part actually with the with the genuine um, sinful behavior that she has been caught up in in, in her particular life. And I, I, I sometimes think when I hear pro, pro-choice arguments or when I hear Christians who have been kind of taken in by the pro-choice movement, it's almost like they reinterpret that story from John 8 with Jesus saying to the woman, Well, not just go sin no more, but go have your abortion now. I'm not judging, you know. No one here is judging. It it is a complete distortion, really, of of the way Jesus interacts with people, of what compassion really means, of what uh, a recognition that we're all sinners uh, means as well. But yeah, I mean, picking up the idea of 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 men speaking into this, I mean, I think as Pete says as well, the whole thing is cloaked in euphemism. The whole thing is cloaked in you know untruths or partial truths. So. One of the many euphemisms, alongside things like healthcare and reproductive justice, is that abortion is a women's issue, pure and simple. And of course, pregnancy affects women in a unique way, and actually, that's part of what my talk is going to be addressing from a biblical standpoint. But that also means that abortion and the consequences thereof, and 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 the the pain and trauma that often accompany that, affect women uniquely. But but you know, more generally, when when that label that is used, women's issue kind of euphemistically and to shut down debates to shut down to silence conversation I think it's really dangerous I think it's disingenuous and I think it's actually harmful to to women uh, as well as unborn children because every child aborted involves of course well it involves a man as well as a woman in the creation of that child and roughly half of the children aborted are boys so abortion does not simply involve pregnant women or girls and who we should often that knowledge actually are coerced into that decision. They're, in a very real sense, victims in some sense. But abortion also always involves the silent victims, the unborn children. And so if what you're saying, by saying, well, you've got to have a woman address this, if what the subtext there is, is really, if you cannot speak out for children being killed, because you happen to be a man because your gender is an issue. If you cannot speak out for children being killed for that reason, then we really have got a problem in our society. It's sicker actually even than we realise. So I think fundamentally that's what it boils down to, you know um, And biblically, you know, I believe God wants men to to take a lead in the work of justice, in the work of protection, in the work of safeguarding the most vulnerable and, and who is more vulnerable unborn children. So there's some of the things I would mm-hmm. say in response to that day, but I, but I recognize that the force of that argument, or the, at least the prevalence of that argument, even though I don't think it's very, um, you know, I think you can look at a whole range of issues and, and it breaks down, you know. Um, do, do you have to be under 18 to speak out against child abuse? You know, wh- where, where does this logic start by that?
3: Mm. Mm. Thank you, Tim. Well, I want to draw this to
1: a close in just a, a, a moment or two. So just in a sentence or two, uh, bringing this together, Pete, why should pastors and others worth saying and others it's a church leaders conference but we're talking about those in youth work women's work kids work um all sorts of different church um ministry uh, why should they come down on the may 26th what what do you think's um worth it for, for them next week
2: uh, well i mean god um god works by his spirit through his word uh, through the gospel to empower his people for the things that they call us to do and I would hope that the event and the things that we talk about there uh, actually people find it um, not uh, not that they sort of come away with a sense of guilt but with a sense of God's calling and empowering through his word that this is something that you in your with your responsibilities in church leadership this is something that you can respond to faithfully and that the gospel Leads us in that direction. The gospel has has a sort of a, a a compelling factor to push us towards the necessity to speak gospel truth into these issues. But also, therefore, the gospel gives us unique equipping, and God uh, obviously accompanies His gospel word with the help of His Spirit. So, you know, I, I would hope people find it find it empowering and encouraging. This is something that you can do something about, and you've got the resources in the gospel and in the presence of the Holy Spirit to do do something about it. Brilliant. Thank you, Pete. And, and finally, Tim, um, what's your prayer for this
1: event? What would you like to see uh, happening uh, uh, and sort of coming out of this event?
0: What impact, what fruit are you are you hoping for here? Yeah, I mean, for me, Dave, it's about the church in all her diversity, denominational, variety, being of one heart and mind on this issue, coming to mm. coming to what I would say is God's heart. For it. You know, I, I personally don't think we're going to see really significant and lasting change in this country on abortion until the church gets her own house in order you mm-hmm. know and one of the reasons why we look across the Atlantic we see that genocide has to some extent being stemmed in the U.S. um is because there's been such a united coordinated and active principled opposition to abortion from a majority of churches who take the Bible seriously and I believe that's possible in the UK you know as evangelicals we claim to take scripture as our ultimate authority doctrine and practice we haven't always allowed the bible to shape our thinking and practice on this issue often others have made the running and we're playing catch-up but i think if we can uh unite as churches uh take god's word seriously i think we can really see breakthrough and to reiterate the bible is not absolutely is not silent on this issue
1: amen fantastic pete my um listeners want me to ask are bacon
2: butties included i believe so um i don't i don't um I am not in charge of the menu, but, they're, uh, they're absolutely included. They are absolutely included. Yeah. That's good. That's they're good. I mean, that, to be honest, that would have been one of my questions as well off air, but that's, so that's, I'm glad for whoever it was, was asking that. It's good.
1: All for 10 pounds, you get your bacon butties, your croissant, your tea and coffee unlimited. I think it's like, it's like Wetherspoons, you get your tea and oh, coffee right. refilled anytime you like. Um, 8.30 okay. people are gathering from 8.30 for breakfast. Uh, we kick off at 9.15, We're gonna sing together, we're gonna pray. Um, Pete and Tim are gonna speak. I'm gonna draw things together just very briefly, signpost how people can take things further. And there's gonna be some time for prayer and for Q&A towards the end, all wrapped up by 11 with further tea and coffee. So do uh, register uh, now. If you haven't, do send this on to a friend, uh, a pastor, any church leader, anyone involved in church ministry that you know, we'd love to see you there. Uh, Be in touch if we can help in any way. And um, Tim and Pete, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, really looking forward to seeing you next week. Uh, appreciate your partnership in this. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Do, as ever, remember to like and share and comment and all that kind of stuff so that we can get these messages out further to a church and a world uh, that need to hear them. Thank you.
3: Will Liverpool get to hear the gospel? applied to the greatest moral issue of the day. One in three women in the UK has at least one baby intentionally killed in her womb. The North West has the highest abortion rate of any in the country. Will they get to hear the word of God brought to bear on this issue? A large part of the answer lies in what church leaders in the North West do you next how many pulpits in the Liverpool area are proclaiming clearly unequivocally graciously the whole counsel of God with regard to this issue and how many Christians have been mobilised into meaningful Christ honouring action when posterity looks back and asks how did they respond during the time of the baby genocide what will be our answer more importantly what will we say to God One in four babies are now being put to death in the UK. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. What happens next in our nation ultimately depends on what happens next in our pulpits. Isn't it time to release the word of God into the defining injustice of our day?